So what is the gospel? What's the Christian message? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's a lot more than just getting saved and going to heaven. Uh, it's a lot more than that. Those things, that's true, but it's only a, very, a, only a part of a much larger idea. And so I want to share uh, a way of understanding and communicating the gospel today that I have found helpful and uh, for my own growth and also for sharing with others. And it involves discovering how Jesus himself understood his own mission. And we know this because of what, what did Jesus talk about the most? What's recorded in the Gospels? As we read them, what did Jesus talk about the most far and above anything else? He talked about a lot of things. Uh, loving your neighbor as yourself and, and how to deal with money and uh, uh, all, all kinds of things. But then by far above anything else, the number one Jesus spoke about was this, uh, this strange thing called the kingdom of God. In fact, uh, it's, it's in the book of Matthew alone, uh, he speaks about the kingdom more than 50 times. And the very first recorded words of Jesus were about the kingdom. His first recorded words were, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God is here. And the first description of his ministry we, we read about, is it, it, says, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So this is, it's, it's key to understand this idea of the kingdom, uh, for communicating it and also for uh, entering into all that God has for us. So what is the kingdom? Well, Jesus gives us a, a big hint uh, in the prayer that he taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So heaven's, it, the kingdom is when heaven's reality intersects or invades earth's reality and renews it. It is, it is also God's reign, his active reign among his people where his will is done, and it's God's presence also. And so this is one way of understanding and sharing the Christian faith that I hope you'll find helpful. And I'm going to, uh, in a way, pretend... Uh, this morning, that you are someone, you're that person uh, uh, that asked me that question. What, so, Steve, what is a Christian? And uh, this time I'm hoping I'm a bit better prepared. And I'm going to attempt to answer that in the next 20 minutes or so. And, uh, yeah, let me know how I do. And if you just, uh, you know, if, especially if you're just kind of investigating the Christian faith or, or, or open to it, or maybe someone's brought you, you have questions, I'd be interested in hearing from you and if you found this uh, presentation helpful. So, to start with, the gospel is a grand narrative. It's, it's a story. It's a big story of God's plan for all creation. And it's a story in which we have an opportunity to participate. It's just not a bunch of beliefs or doctrines that we need to believe. It's a story that we can understand and that we can join. And so, for this story, we need to start at the beginning. And the beginning is in Genesis chapter 1. It's the story of creation. And that tells us what we were created for. It answers that question uh, the way it was supposed to be, what God created us for. And so on the uh, screen, there should be two circles there. Uh, one uh, blue symbolizing heaven, the other green symbolizing earth. And heaven, and I'm, I'm summarizing a lot of Christian 
doctrine and such and some simple statements here. But heaven is the dimension of God's presence, of his perfection and beauty as the creator. And earth, of course, is that place that God created and he placed humans and animals there. It's his creation. And so in Genesis we see uh, that basically the two circles are joined together, they, they overlap because God's presence, God's reign is present on earth. And we learn a lot about what we were created for in that. Humans, we are told, were created in God's image. God said, let us make man and woman in our image. And that was in order to, that we would reflect God's nature and the beauty, his beauty on earth, and also reflect back to praise to God as a priesthood. And also, a very important concept was that we would partner with God and reign with him on earth. And you can see this in Genesis where God uh, allows Adam to name the animals. That's kind of a, a symbolic of this idea that we are called uh, to reign in a good way and to partner with God. God's plan was to share his world with humans and to have his rule over the world brought about by humans. And so he, we were created as, as, uh, with a great capacity for creativity and, and beauty and for design. That's an important point. We're also created for intimacy with God, a relationship with God. And, and we see this in Genesis again when we read about how Adam and Eve walked with God in the morning. They walked and they talked with God in intimacy. There was no guilt or shame. We read that they were naked and not ashamed. There is harmony. Um, and there is no death or sickness because in the garden there is the tree of, of, uh, of life and we read that those who ate of it uh, would live forever. So that's the, that's the picture of this beautiful world that God created for us. And, and the, the DNA of that world is, is, is in us as, as people created in God's image. However, we get to chapter 2, the next chapter of this story, and that's the story of the fall. It's the story of what went wrong. Humans rebel against God. They want to live independent of God. God's image in us is broken and marred. Humans forfeit their role to rule and to partner with God in the garden. Their ability to reign is now distorted by sin and pride. And actually, uh, our, our ability to reign and rule is actually often used to, to abuse other people. And so rather than reigning, humans became, as the Bible says, slaves to sin. They became slaves to the dark powers, as Paul would, uh, would, ex would explain it. So intimacy with God is broken. They are expelled from the garden. And again, different words in the New Testament are used for that. We are, we are alienated from God. We are separate. We are far off. Guilt and shame enter the human experience. You read the, how Adam and Eve hid from God. They used to walk with him, and then after uh, rebelling, they hid from him. The harmony that was in the garden is lost. And we, we read how Cain was jealous of his brother Abel and killed him. So conflict and violence enter the human condition. Also, death and sickness enter into the, into the human condition because um, uh, they are banned from the garden. They have no longer have access to the tree of life. And we read actually, and Paul brings this out in Romans 8, how all creation was subject to decay. So we have, you know, part one, creation, how things were supposed to be, and the fall, how things got messed up. 
And so this is nicely summarized in that well-known scripture, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what I find fascinating about this scripture, what I only saw a few months ago, was basically it tells, it says something very positive. It says, you and I were created to share in God's glory, to enjoy or experience his glory, his presence, his power, intimacy with him, being co-workers and partners with him in creation. That's God's glory. And because of sin and rebellion, we now fall short of what we were created for. That explains a lot. I know someone who um, became a Christian a couple of years ago, partly through uh, having the Christian story presented in this way. And uh, a few months after uh, becoming a Christian, she said, you know what? One of the things I found most helpful uh, in, in, in the process of becoming a Christian and giving my life to the Lord was the whole Christian concept of sin. And that kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Because so often we're kind of maybe hesitant to talk about sin too much, right? We don't want to come across in, as if we're self-righteous or condemning. And yet... Um, it's a very important part of the story. And, and she found it very helpful. Uh, the concept of sin helped her because it helped explain the evil that is in the world and in our heart and was in her heart. Um, and, uh, uh, but also we have these desires for beauty and for love and desires to do good, and, which echoes uh, being created in God's image. And so there's this confusion. But the truth about creation and sin in the fall explain this. Sin is the great equalizer. We're all equal before God uh, in our need and our fallenness and our need uh, for, to be renewed by him. So, next chapter is, I, I've entitled it Israel, but it, it symbolizes God's first step in rescuing us from this condition of being in the darkness, of being separate from him, the results of sin. And so, uh, we see on the, uh, the, the overhead, not the overhead, that's, I'm showing my age now. <laughs> Do you remember those days? Oh boy. Um, God's rescue plan starts with, with Israel. And uh, so, it was kind of like an intermediate step, but God had withdrawn his presence uh, from people. They were no longer in the garden with him. And yet he hadn't abandoned his, his people totally. And so God's presence was now in the temple. First of all, in the tabernacle, a portable temple in the desert, and later on in the temple in Jerusalem that Solomon built. And so God's presence was with the people, and that's, but that was only so that the circles just overlap a little bit. God had not abandoned his people totally. So the temple is God's presence. And uh, it's where it, it, um, Jewish people saw the temple as where heaven intersected with earth. That's how they saw it. And so in, in that system, there was uh, the sacrificial system where sacrifices were made in order to cleanse people so they could enter the temple and be in God's presence. There was the high priest who brought God to the people and the people to God and who taught the law. All of these things point to Jesus, who is the subject of the next chapter of this story. And we see here the two circles overlapping a lot more with Jesus at the center. Scripture teaches us that Jesus is the new temple. The word became flesh and tabernacled, dwelt among us. 
where God, he was where God dwells on earth. And Jesus referred to himself as the new temple. He was where heaven and earth overlapped. And yet he wasn't like a temple sacred away from the people. He went out and mingled with the broken and the sinful and the sick, and he brought healing and forgiveness. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was uh, the perfect priest who brings us to God. So Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God, God's reign with his people, heaven's reality breaking into earth's reality. Uh, it's not here fully yet. He inaugurated it. And that, so the kingdom is, is talked about in scripture in two ways, sometimes as a present reality, and sometimes it's presented and talked about as a future reality. And that's because it, it comes in two stages. But it has invaded earth in the person of Jesus Christ, the kingdom. And Jesus would talk about how the kingdom was forcefully advancing and people could enter it. So through Jesus, we are forgiven and born again into the kingdom, back into that life in God. And so we have Jesus telling uh, Nicodemus, uh, no one can see or enter the kingdom without what? Being born again, without spiritual rebirth. There's a wonderful scripture, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And it says this, God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so we see here this, this scripture in a wonderful way combines together a number of things. There's the fact that Jesus died and rose again for our redemption, to, to redeem us, to, to buy us back from slavery in the darkness. And we are forgiven uh, through faith in him and his finished work on the cross. But the purpose of that is that we might be transferred from the power of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus. And so that's important. And of course, it comes full circle, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And now, the next part of that is... Uh, God, but now all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ. And this is to, to, to be received by faith. So it's important that we begin to see salvation in the context of the kingdom and our Christian lives in the context of cooperating with God and working, partnering with God in his uh, project of salvation through the kingdom. So now, through Christ, his life and his death and resurrection and ascension, you and I are reconciled and brought back into relationship with God once we put our faith in him. Scripture says also that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to live for him and to be a witness. And so, but as I mentioned previously, the kingdom of God comes in two stages. Theologians call this the kingdom now and not yet. We experience some of the results and benefits now, but much more, but also in the future. So as an example of that, talking about the image of God being made in the image of God and how through sin and the fall, the image of God was, was broken in us. It was marred. It was distorted. And we're all familiar with that, aren't we? And we want to be good and loving people, but uh, we often fail. And so God's image in us, uh, once we embrace Christ and enter the kingdom, uh, is starting to be restored. And of course, Christians call this, they have a fancy word called sanctification. But what it means is we are transformed gradually, step by step, by the power of the Spirit, 
back into the image of Christ, into the image of God. It says that. So as we gaze upon him from glory to glory, intimacy is restored. Our relationship is restored with God, but we need to protect that and nurture it. Now, and this is a, a key result of the kingdom and being brought into the kingdom through salvation. The ability to reign and to partner with God is restored. It's a potential that we can step into and start moving in. Listen to this scripture from Romans chapter 5, the way Paul describes it. He says, For if, through the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who have received God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? I love that scripture because it elevates us back, getting back to where we were in the garden. Jesus put it this way when he sent out 72 disciples, other than the 12, 72 disciples, he sent them out two by two to proclaim the kingdom and to heal and to cast out demons. And it says they came back all excited and, and with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in, his, in your name. And Jesus said, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Yet, don't just rejoice in that, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So he was focused, getting them to focus on the fact of their identity in him as well-loved children of God. But we have this authority restored to us. So we, you and I, are to be out there advancing the kingdom taking God's presence, the good news of forgiveness and healing to a hurting world, just as Jesus did, just as his disciples did. So it's not so much about going to heaven as it is bringing heaven's reality to earth right now. Being a Christian is not just a matter of getting saved and going to heaven, but through Jesus' death and resurrection, entering the kingdom of heaven, um, and bringing entering the kingdom and bringing heaven to earth now in anticipation of the day when Christ returns and heaven and earth are completely united in the new heaven and the new earth. It's about partnering with Jesus and the power of the Spirit bringing God, heaven's reality to earth now in terms of forgiveness and justice, holiness and healing. So, one of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament is John 14, 12, where Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I am doing. They will do even greater things. Why? Because I'm going to the Father, he said. So he was pointing to his death and resurrection and ascension and, and pointing to the day when his, those who believe in him will continue his works of building the kingdom and bringing the kingdom uh, to people and helping people enter the kingdom through uh, uh, the power of his death and resurrection and also of Pentecost, the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the book of Acts is, uh, just comes right after the Gospels, and it's the story of the, of the early church uh, and, and what it was about. And it's often called uh, the Acts of the Apostles. And yet that was just a, a name that someone put on, on that book somewhere along the way. And uh, many theologians say these days that uh, it should actually be called the acts of Jesus through the church or continued through the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. The acts of Jesus continued through the church, you and me, in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's what it's all about. And we see that, you know, in day of Pentecost, Peter, who had a few weeks before, had, who had denied Jesus and uh, was hiding with the other disciples behind closed doors, once he's filled with the Spirit, he gets up, preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people are brought to the Lord, brought into the kingdom. So we are called in this in-between time, while we're living in the kingdom and it's growing, and we're growing in our walk with the Lord and waiting for the kingdom to come in fullness when Jesus returns at the end of time, we are called to uh, continue the works of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. So we're called to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. We're called to serve as Jesus served. We're called to pray. There's great power in prayer for changing history. We are called to be peacemakers, even though war and injustice persist until Jesus returns, we are to be peacemakers now, being agents of peace, fighting injustice in anticipation of the day when there will be no more wars. We are to bring healing, uh, as just as Jesus and his disciples and the early church brought healing. As Jesus brought healing, so we are empowered to bring physical, emotional, and relational healing as a sign of the kingdom in anticipation of the day when there will be no more sickness or death or tears or suffering in the new heaven and the new earth. But it's not that it's like we, we just don't sit around and twiddle our thumbs and go to church on Sunday and just wait for Jesus to return. We have a vocation right, right now, which is to be the church and to continue the work of Jesus now in the power of the Holy Spirit. In terms of healing, it's, it's only partial. As the kingdom is not fully here, we, we may not understand it all, but the church is commissioned to pray for the sick. And uh, so we are to do that. Of course, God also heal, he brings healing through uh, the medical profession, and it's a, it's a matter of both and. We also are taught that creation is waiting. It's still waiting to be liberated from decay when Jesus returns. So that, that whole idea of Jesus' return and the kingdom coming in fullness, it can be illustrated in the circle where they are back together again kind of back to the garden, uh, but even more so, even as something greater is here. So, two main points I've wanted to make this morning. We need to see salvation in the context of the kingdom, the big thing God is doing for all creation. And we're part of it. It's a story that we can enter. And we need to see the role that we, you and I, play as partners with God call to reign, and having that vocation restored to us through Jesus Christ. We are citizens of his kingdom, filled with the Holy Spirit, and building the kingdom now in anticipation of the day when Jesus will return and the kingdom will be here in fullness. I just want to uh, read a quotation from a Christian writer and theologian by the name of N.T. Wright, and it's from his book uh, entitled Surprised by Hope. What we can and must do in the present, if we are obedient to the gospel, if we are following Jesus, and if we are indwelt and energized and directed by the Spirit, is to build for the kingdom. What you do in the Lord is not in vain. Every act of love and gratitude and kindness, every work of art or music, inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, 
every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care and nurture of comfort and support for one, one's fellow human beings, and for that matter, for one's fellow non-human creatures. And of course, every prayer, every spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds a church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world, all this will find its way through the resurrection power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. As was mentioned earlier, Ruth and I were in London, England uh, last uh, weekend for the International um, Alpha Leadership Conference. And uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with Alpha, it's, it's a course, I think we'll be running it again this fall, and it's, it's a course where people, people can um, dis discover the Christian faith and ask questions about it and learn more about it. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's now in hundreds of countries around the world, and it was just a, amazing to hear many of the stories and meet the people. There are people from, we met people from, one person from Turkey who, who leads Alpha courses underground and people from Germany and South Africa, all over. We sat beside one um, young woman about 30 years old and discovered that she was an audiologist. Uh, that's her profession. But she had started her own, uh, her own ministry where she was taking uh, old um, hearing aids and getting them reconditioned and would go to developing countries and give them to people and fit people with these hearing aids. She felt called to that ministry. Isn't that amazing? She just did that on her own. There's another story of some, a woman who shared from on the stage was um, that she started a, a charity of supplying food and medical equipment uh, to refugees in South Sudan. And she runs this charity from her kitchen table. It started with a 40-pound uh, donation, and she went, she went from there. And they've actually been successful in building um, a, uh, a medical clinic there. There's another story, and uh, they had this fellow come up on stage and tell the story, but uh, about, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, there was an Alpha team, a team from Holy Trinity Brompton, that went to a, a rather rough housing estate in East London, and uh, they would just go around and do prayer walks. They would walk through the, the estate and just pray for the people, pray for the community, pray for God's Spirit to come. And they would talk to people as they had opportunity, and ask for permission to pray for people. So they, they ran into this young 18-year-old guy who was rather at that time living a rough life, uh, dealing in drugs and such, and they said, can we pray for you? And he said, he said uh, no thanks, but I think his language was a bit rougher than that, and just kind of walked away, but they had a chance to talk to him, and they said, well, we're going to be praying for you. About a week later, he had a dream. Jesus appeared to him in a dream and spoke to him, and it just totally shocked him. The very next day, and he, he had never had any interest or exposure to the church or the Christian faith. The next day, he looked for those people as they were walking around the estate. And we went up to them and said, I need you to tell me more about Jesus. Uh, he told them what happened. He eventually did, he did an Alpha course. He became a Christian and uh, uh, worked for several years with the church and, and grew. He eventually went to, went to seminary and is now uh, ordained in the, in the Church of England. And now he and his wife have gone back to that housing estate and have planted a church, reaching out and meeting the needs, uh, spiritual and physical needs, of the people in that, in that neighborhood. Isn't that, aren't those wonderful stories? 
I remember an, another story I, I read in a book uh, by a Canadian by the name of Stephen, uh, Steve Stewart. It's called When Everything Changes, and he, it's all about uh, living in the kingdom. And he has a charity, a, a ministry, and they'll go to places, uh, often in Africa or South America, and they'll go into a village, and it's wonderful how they combine all these things in their ministry. But he'll, they'll open up a clinic uh, uh, for the people to get medical help, but as people are lining up to get medical help, some of their team will actually go and pray for people as they're lining up, and some people actually get healed while they're lining up and they no longer have to, uh, to, go, to get medical help. Some people uh, and the rest of you, of course, go and, and get medical help. They've also been involved in digging wells for villages. They have a wonderful program of buying small plots of land uh, for gardens and giving them to single mothers so they can uh, raise their own food and supplies the needs of their kids. These are all ways of living out the kingdom in the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the way that God will want to use you in your context, to do the same thing. So that's the story. That's, that's this grand narrative of Jesus and the kingdom coming to renew all creation, rescuing people and bringing them into the kingdom. That is the gospel. Creation, fall, Israel, redemption through Jesus, and Jesus' return at the end of time. Um, we are each invited to be part of this grand narrative and healing redemption. So I find this way of understanding and explaining the Christian message very helpful. And, it's, and you can actually, it can actually be done in 5 or 10 or 15 minutes. You can, just, you can really simplify this. But I find that using those circles and just even drawing them on a piece of paper for somebody and explaining each step of the thing, it, it gives a holistic um, understanding of what G God was doing through Jesus Christ. So I find this way of understanding and explaining Christianity helpful because, number one, it makes, the story, it makes it a story, it's a narrative that we can enter into, and it's just not a bunch of beliefs or doctrines. It makes it more holistic and wider in scope. It explains our true calling and purpose as humans and how we can be integrated back into that. It explains how even though Jesus has died and risen and brought salvation, there is still suffering and evil in the world. We are in this in-between time, the kingdom now and not yet. We are in a battle, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to continue the words of Jesus, building for the kingdom in anticipation for the new heavens and the new earth. Through the kingdom and through being reborn into the kingdom, we get to conquer the darkness around us, and even sometimes within ourselves. I love uh, Paul's uh, words in Ephesians 5. He says, you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. And that describes you and me. So hopefully this will be something that you'd be uh, interested in doing, or hopefully it's helped uh, some understand uh, the gospel message more clearly this morning. I'd just like to invite you to pray with me. Bow your heads in prayer. I should just kind of bring this to God. And you may be here this morning or listening online and may not even call yourself a Christian at this point. Maybe you're just interested or just, just learning, checking things out. But if this presentation this morning has helped clarify things, if you feel something happening in your heart, uh, I invite you to, to pray with me. Or if you are a Christian and just 
realize that there's so much more to experience, I invite you to pray with me too. So Lord, we are in awe that we were created in your image to have intimate relationship with you, to partner with you, to enjoy your presence, to experience your glory. We are aware that we have fallen short of your glory through sin. We thank you for the forgiveness that comes through Jesus' death on the cross and the power to live for you through the Holy Spirit. We thank you that Jesus is coming again. So now, Lord, we believe in you, Jesus. We believe in all that you came to do to rescue us and return us back to our purpose, to our true calling that God created us to be, the people God created us to be. Please forgive us for our sins. Fill us with your spirit and help us and energize us now to live for you and to build your kingdom now as we await for your return. Amen. If you are feeling God stirring in your heart this morning or you have any particular needs or something going on, even if you just want to talk about things, uh, please feel free to, to come uh, to the side here to the prayer team at the end of the service.